Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. So over this uh, past weekend, I had the privilege of participating with a group of women in uh, what just a wonderful retreat. And one of the things that we were asked to do in advance of the retreat was supply our walk-up song, much like they would do in, let's say, professional baseball, that as you're coming to the plate, you, know, you have a walk-up song. So I supplied my walk-up song, which is um, Lions by, uh, by Skillet. But it got me thinking uh, about Christianity being a singing faith. And it got me also thinking about um, the life song song, like let your life song sing. And so what is your life song or what is your soul song? What is your go-to song? What does your soul sing? My grandmother, Robina, um, hummed the old rugged cross almost all the time. Like in my memory, in my recollection as a child, there's really never a time that my grandmother was not humming. And I recall her humming the old rugged cross. What? So her soul was singing all the time. Uh, that particular song. What does your, what's your soul song? What's your life song? What's your go-to song? What's your walk-up song? Think of this any way you want to. Like pick one of those and say to yourself, wow, I, I, I know what mine is. So as we approach Thanksgiving, not just Thanksgiving Day, but as we approach what I hope is a season of Thanksgiving in our uh, lives, there's one song that comes to my mind related to thankfulness and Thanksgiving, um, and it's give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son. And now, so it's with all of that in view, it's, it's in view of the holiness of God, it's in view of the gift of Jesus Christ, that then, now, the song says, let the weak say, I am strong, let the poor say, I am rich, because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. There are a number of verses that come to mind as we can consider thanksgiving and thanks living. First uh, Chronicles 1634, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 100 verse 3, know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. First Corinthians 1 4, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Or Psalm 107 verses 8 and 9, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Colossians 3, 17, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Maybe the one that comes um, most quickly to mind is 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. I bet you know this one. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Or maybe um, 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thankfulness is um, it's not just a day or an attitude. It's a lifestyle. Um, thankfulness actually then grows within us, and it grows our faith, and it grows our trust in God when we actually do it, when we are tangibly thankful, verbally thankful, literally thankful. And so Thanksgiving is good for us. Giving thanks to God is good for us, and it's good physically, it's good relationally, it's good spiritually. Kathy Branzell, who heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force, is going to be here next to tell us how. How is Thanksgiving good for me? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Kathy Branzell. She is the head of the National Day of Prayer Task Force. The word head is probably not even accurate. You probably have an actual title. You have an actual title, Kathy? <laughs> I do. It's president. Excellent. I prefer servant, yes. Okay, she's so a good. servant. She's the she's the chief servant. She's the head there servant. See, I think I, I like get I'm back to the model. word at the yeah. I get to model. model. I get to oh, model I it. That. I love that. I love that. Thank you for modeling prayer for us. Thank you for modeling prayer, not only for the nation, but um, for those in the nation. And and so I just, well, you know, I love you. So thank you for joining us again today. Let's talk about Thanksgiving and how it's good for us. Like, how I, I, I love this idea. I love this conversation topic. How is Thanksgiving good for us? Mm. And I liked what you said before I came on about thanks living. I wrote that down. I will give you credit for that, but I was like, ah, oh, that's I'm sure, it right I'm sure there, the credit for that. I'm thanks. sure the credit for that belongs to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> we hear great things and we pass it on, and you know, which is a great example of Thanksgiving, because great things happen for us, to us, um, kingdom things that He prepared even before we were born, as He knit us together. We're His workmanship. And and in that living, in all of those things, when we think about them, when we recall them, when we tell others about them, and that's thanks. That's living in thanks because of who he is and what he does, not just people. You know, we my mom played this game, and maybe your mom did, when you sat around Thanksgiving and you had to tell what you were thankful for. And And that's great because we need to be thankful for the people in our lives the places um, that we get to live and serve and work and all of those things. We're thankful for things even, but the bottom line is we need to live daily and thanks to the one who provides that, the one who has given us these opportunities um, throughout history, throughout our history, through our nation's history, and on and on it goes. And so um, gratefulness really just provides the foundation um, of another grateful day. 
So when we think about um, how giving thanks to God is beneficial to us, I, I mean, I realize that 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 kind of centers the conversation probably in the wrong place. If I'm genuinely giving thanks, then my then my focus should be on God and um, and the and this the rightness of giving thanks. But mm-hmm. I'll admit to you, Kathy, I am a little more self interested than that most of the time. So. <laughs> Um, so recognizing that uh, I, at least in theory, like to do things that are good for me, yep. what what is physically good for me? Like what is going on uh, in the body of a yep. person when uh, they are filled with thanksgiving and when they are giving thanks versus the opposite? Yeah, so many things. Because, I mean, think about it. This is the way your creator created you. He knit you together so that in obedience— in response to him and focusing on him, we're just even more successful and healthier. So, for example, uh, one of my favorite examples is uh, from Proverbs seventeen twenty two: A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. So in our gratefulness, realize that, um, that in anxiety, what happens when we get anxious, when we lose our gratefulness, when we lose focus on God? We, um, in that moment of anxiousness, your bones flush calcium, literally, mm. in the science of it. And as anxiousness and anxiety builds up in you, see, we've lost our gratefulness, we've lost our focus, we, we've lost our merry heart, and we've replaced it with, with anxiousness, worry, whatever you want to call it. So as that builds, then cortisol builds up in your body. And your bones are unable to um, reabsorb calcium. And so literally the science and the health of our bodies is that in gratefulness, we have healthy, strong bones. And without it, in anxiousness, our bones literally dry up like scripture tells us. And you can look at the science. There are now thousands of research um, papers and um uh, things that have been written about the benefits, the health benefits of a grateful heart. Our blood pressure is lower. Um, we even lose weight because in in uh, worry and anxiousness and lack of gratefulness, you know, I don't have what they don't have, what they have. I want, I, you know, in in those kind of moments, uh, you actually gain weight. And and so having a grateful heart. Living in gratefulness could actually help you lose weight. Uh, again, it strengthens your bones. The other piece of it is at, at work, in your home, wherever you are, whatever you need to do in gratefulness, it increases your productivity, it increases your creativity, it increases re- resilience, it increases endurance. And so, really, gratefulness sets you up for success. All right, let's talk about those things because those are some of the relational parts of this, not just mm-hmm. uh, because, because that affects everybody around me. Every single thing that right. you have just described <clears throat> doesn't just affect me. It affects everybody around me. So when we come back, Kathy Branzell and I are going to talk about how gratefulness to God actually transforms our relationships. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I have a thankful heart that you have given me. From you. 
So I'm just going to enter into a moment of gratefulness for my friend and sister in Christ, mm-hmm. Kathy Branzell, um, uh, who is helping me see how gratefulness to God transforms not only my health, but also my relationships and ultimately my testimony. So let's focus on that second component, Kathy. Let's talk about how gratefulness to God transforms my relationships, because I actually become a different person it, by by living in a, in, in, a, in a way and an attitude and a, a constant reality of a thankful heart. Absolutely. And you can change not only yourself, but you can change the atmosphere, the atmosphere of your home, the atmosphere in your marriage, the atmosphere in your workplace, at your school, wherever you are. I mean, even uh, I I knew that you and I were going to talk about this. Um, And so just a few days ago, I'm standing in line at the airport getting ready to board a plane again. And people are just grumbling about all kinds of things. And I turned to the person next to me and said uh, something, I'm so grateful that we're getting on an airplane and not in a covered wagon to take this journey. And they (laughs) laughed. And that person's whole disposition, because they had been grumbling and cursing and all kinds of stuff, just complaining about anything they could complain about behind me. And just in that moment of laughter and gratitude and perspective, they changed. And, and then everything that came out of their mouth all the way down the jetway was happiness, was joking. Was, it, it just changed the atmosphere um, for that person. And so that's a really good challenge for us and for others to know that we're, we're spreading something. When we speak, we're, we're either spreading gratefulness and glory or we're spreading gossip, grumbling. We, our mouths have power. Our tongues have power. And so in this um, attitude of gratitude that we hear about so much, it not only changes our health, but you can actually change someone else and spread God's glory instead of, you know, just spreading all the hurt or hate or division or whatever else is going on around you. So two things come to mind, um, you know, as you're sharing that. One of one of them is um, just the reaction of people in general to those of us who are either grumbling and complaining versus mm-hmm. those of us who are um, really demonstrating in, in in public that we're grateful that there yep. is a God and we are blessed. And that the circumstances in which we find ourselves in this very moment are actually less important than the eternal reality that there is a God who is and who has spoken and who has acted in the context of human history and is working all things out according to his goodwill and purpose. I mean, like, right, I'm either functionally living as an atheist in this moment or I'm functionally living as a person who knows that God is. And that changes everything. And I can be grateful. I can have an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness in the midst of anything if the one I'm acknowledging is God. Right, right. And we even talked about that last month, even in the midst of our family tragedy, Mm. that I was clinging to the fact that God was the exact same God, unchanging God, um, the moment before our tragedy and the moment after our tragedy. He doesn't change. Therefore, my gratefulness doesn't change because his faithfulness doesn't change. And I love, um, you know, the psalmist over and over again, Psalm 107, one, Psalm 118, one, Psalm 136, one. I love, it, 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 there was a pattern there. The psalmist began with thanks, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. 
for his loving kindness is everlasting. And so it's this was and is and is to come. His faithfulness is always. His goodness is always. His love is always. Uh, pick your favorite attribute of God. It is all and is always. And so that is cause for Thanksgiving because our circumstances change. The people that we're thankful for this year, the um, stuff we have this year, the whatever we have, uh, wherever we are this year, all those things can change in the blink of an eye, but God doesn't. And that's cause for thankfulness. And even King David knew that in the midst of, um, you know, his enemies, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of family chaos, in the midst of whatever, in the midst of whatever we're in, we give thanks to the Lord because he is good and his loving kindness is everlasting. So we've got a couple of minutes left, Kathy. Let's talk about okay. how how grateful, gratefulness really does produce a different testimony. Um, it, 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 I know people who say they are Christians, but they're so sour. They're yeah. so, they are so full of vinegar that it is like really hard for me to imagine there's much Jesus in what's going yeah. on there. And I know I'm not always sweetness and light. Like I get that. I I get that. <laughs> right. But, um, but, but the joy of the Lord either inhabits us and fills right. us with a, with a, with a gratefulness and a gratitude, particularly for the cross. Or it mm-hmm. does not. And so talk about the testimony portion of this gratefulness conversation. Yeah, so even uh, sometimes a visual is very helpful. And so just stop and think as you're opening your mouth or the look on your face, your body language or your what's actually coming out of your mouth. View it um, as, as a smell because our thanks is a sweet aroma, um, mm. we know, to God's nostrils, okay, and and so therefore, what 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 do what do I smell like? Think of it as, uh, you know, what, you have this moment where you're like, what is that smell? Is that me? Um, is that my attitude? Is that my, you know, what is that smell? Because we either draw people near. People want to be around people who, first of all, these are my four A's. I talk about these all the time. People need to be acknowledged. You have people coming to your workplace today who you're going to pass at the store today, whatever, who are just thinking, I'm invisible. Would anybody even care if I disappeared? Would even anybody even realize I, I didn't show up to work today? So acknowledge them. Show appreciation and affection towards them. Say to people, you know, I'm really grateful for you because, you know, I I just, I appreciate this and that about you. Show them affection and and affirm them. And those are the kind of people that will draw near to you that you then get to talk to them about why you're like this. It's not that we don't live in reality, but it's that we live in faith because we have this almighty, all-powerful creator God who loves us more than we could ever think or imagine, who can do more than we could ever think or imagine, whose ways are higher than our ways. And so our face is lifted up. We're not downcast, oh, my soul. And those are the kind of people that want to be around us and want to know about our testimony and want to know about our God because great is his faithfulness. So in a completely inappropriate segue, because you have asked the question what we smell like and like, right, what's that smell? Mm -hmm. Um, I I have to do a little shout out right now to our listeners in Kansas City. 
Um, and then a little shout out to everybody listening in the state of Minnesota, because uh, because of this cold front, the, the National Weather Service actually reported that some stink from Minnesota got captured in the cold air and it arrived in Kansas City and people were calling 911 because everything outside smelled like poop. And oh, no. so I know. So Minnesota sent some stink south to uh to Kansas City and it and it hovered. And so anyway, there there's some there might be some Minnesota stink that we need to work through and uh and that will be my segue into the break. Because you always bring me joy to talk about and so sometimes I have to <laughs> I have to get these tidbits of the news out there out of my system you and you go. gave me an opportunity to do it by asking what it smells like. Thank All you, right, Kathy Branzell. Yeah. Spread some spread some sweet today. Send some new smells out. That's exactly right. Let's send, let's send the Jesus stink out there today, as opposed to the smell of a southern uh, southern Minnesota um, uh, swine farm. All right, Kathy Branzell, thank you so much for the joy of the Lord we experience with you, for speaking into our lives, and for uh, praying for us. We appreciate it. We'll be right back. Thanks. All right, so this really, uh, the fact that sometimes it smells where we live should make us ask, how does it smell when I walk into a room? What is the what is the scent that is moving with me into the world? When we talk about the uh, effect we have on the atmosphere around us, you know, I'm I want to have some Jesus stink. Now I recognize that when we talk about uh, that, we are also talking about that which is. Rep- it's repulsive. It actually, people who don't love Jesus and who are repelled by Jesus are going to be repelled by us. They are not going to smell in us the uh, the a sweet aroma of Christ. They're actually going to smell in us the stench of death. Why is that? Because Jesus is the ultimate dividing line. And so if we belong to him and we're his ambassadors in the world, then we become a dividing line as well. And so if you're like genuinely put off by other Christians you know, there is a uh, there is a really important, significant spiritual conversation for us to have about what are with whom our spirit resonates. And so if my spirit is only resonating with the spirit of the world and my spirit is not resonating with the spirit of Christ and other believers, um, that's a conversation we got to have. You can't love the bridegroom and not love the bri- not love the bride. Um, all right. So that's a wandering around in the wilderness about the smell of Minnesota arriving in Kansas City, because I hope that you and I as Jesus people um, are actually helping other people in, in a in a way be attracted to God, like the fragrance of Christ in that sweet aroma of living lives of uh, of sacrifice unto him. So that's the uh, that's, uh, you know, more like a barbecue smell than anything else. Um, next up, Dan Darling. He's got a great new book out uh, called The Characters of Christmas. And you're going to say, hey, I already know who those characters of Christmas are. Well, let me just say you are one of them, too. You are one of the unexpected characters of Christmas. And we don't want to miss out on the opportunity to take our place not only at the manger, but with the proclamation um, in this season, upcoming season of Advent, you know, to actually declare the coming of our Christ. So that conversation up next with Dan Darling from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Church. Mom, Dad, if your child is approaching the teen years, brace yourself, because the reality is the stress of dealing with a troubled teen can tear a family apart. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. When teens begin to struggle, their problems put pressure on everyone in the family. 
especially mom and dad. So consider these practical steps to protect your marriage in the years to come. First, see conflict with your kids as something you must tackle as a team. Second, be intentional about sharing your feelings with each other. And finally, build in some time to have fun. Get away and laugh a little. Getting through the hard times won't be easy, but when you stick together, even the greatest struggle can have the power to strengthen your marriage. Looking for more parenting wisdom? Go online to parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. today my friend Dan Darling he is a prolific author and writer and speaker uh, he serves as the vice president of, for communications for the ethics and religious liberty commission of the Southern Baptist Convention he's the author of several books he's here to talk today about his his latest book but we're also going to talk about Kanye West so it's a it's going to be a mixed bag of conversation with my friend Dan the book is characters of Christmas. Dan, welcome back. Carmen, it's great to be here to talk about Kanye and Christmas. Great combo. There you go. Kanye and Christmas, the combo pack. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to start I'm going to start off with um the characters of Christmas because first of all, the book is delightful. Uh thank you so much for it. The unlikely people caught up in the story of Jesus. Now, let's just go ahead and admit right here at the beginning that as soon as I say the characters of Christmas, um, the parade of characters in, you know, in the Christmas story comes to mind because we've all been to, um, you know, we've all been to events where children dress up in, in every variety of little costume and they march up there and they they form for us in, in, in front uh, of the gathered community, the characters of Christmas. We have these nativity um, events Talk with us about how we can be surprised again. How can we can be uh, freshly introduced to these very unlikely people uh, who gather at the manger? Well, I think uh, Christmas is just an opportunity to to dive in a little deeper in the Gospels and in the the story of the Incarnation. And I just love that uh, when December rolls around, you know, we're all sort of thinking about Christmas. I'm actually thinking about Christmas beforehand, but some people— quibble with that. <laughs> but um, I, I think, you know, if we just put ourselves and imagine what it must have been like to be, for instance, Joseph or Mary or, um, you know, the the shepherds out in the fields, y- you know, 2000 years later, we know the end of the story. And um, we, we know what the purpose of, of all this was. But in the first century, all of a sudden, this is sort of dropping into their into their laps, into their lives, and they're swept up in in this grand story. These are just ordinary people, you know. We've, you know, we play them in our Christmas pageants, and we have them around our nativity sets, and they're sort of, um, you know, celebrities at this point. But they were just ordinary people living their lives when, um, you know, God visited His people in Jesus, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. He, after four hundred years of, of silence, of not, no prophets, no angels speaking to His people. God, the, the plan of God that was prophesied from the beginning, all that Old Testament prophecy and all the all the sacrifices and all that pointing uh, culminated in in Jesus coming. 
one of my favorite Advent books is is actually entitled The Forgotten Man of Christmas, and it it's, talks specifically about Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how the way you I, I love the way you treat Joseph in this book, The Characters of Christmas. Why do you think God chose Joseph to be Jesus's earthly dad? You know, Joseph has become one of my favorite people in the story, um, mostly because he has been forgotten. Um, we don't talk a lot about him. There's maybe one or two songs, I think, written about Joseph. What's remarkable about him is uh, the Bible describes him as a man full of, uh, he was righteous man, devout man. Uh, Joseph strikes me as someone who would just do the next right thing, whatever he was asked to do. And um, the the task God asked him to do was a hard one. Um, he Even before he was visited by the angel, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, um, he just he determined to put her away privately. And if we really understand the, the context of that, you know, to have an unwed um, brought, you know, for Mary to be pregnant and unwed was a source of deep shame in that in that community. And there's really two options: you could expose her publicly, like we see with uh, the woman caught in adultery in John, or Joseph could could put her away privately to protect her. So even then, he was thinking not about himself but about her, willing to even bear some shame. Uh, and then when the angel came to him, he he it says he got up immediately and did what he was asked to do. Uh, he was willing to bear shame for this baby that was not his child um, because he knew that Jesus would one day bear his shame on the cross. I also love um, the treatment that you give to Zachariah in uh, in this book. And again, the book is The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. The author is Daniel Darling, um, you can check out the book and everything that Dan's working on at DanielDarling.com. Um, we actually have some copies to give away. I'm supposed to be mindful of that today. So if you want to text in uh, to enter into the drawing for one of the copies that we have of the characters of Christmas, you can do so by texting your name and your actual physical mailing address because it doesn't help me to – I can't email you a book. So uh, you can text 877-933-2484 or you can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. I love the treatment of Zachariah. When we come back from the break, Dan, I'd love for you to unpack for us not only Zachariah's story but what you write about Christmas being a really good season for us to enter into silence. It's really, gosh, that would be such a gift. All right, I'll be right back with Dan Darling. So the characters of Christmas, the unlikely people caught up in the story of Jesus, is the latest book by Daniel Darling. You can find him at danieldarling.com. If you are interested in entering uh, our drawing to win one of the copies of this book that we have here at the studio, you can text me, 877-933-2484. I need your name and your physical mailing address, uh, or you can email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Dan, let's talk about Zachariah. So Zachariah is an interesting story. And in fact, uh, this is the first announcement of the coming of Jesus. Uh, the, the first angelic visit was Gabriel visiting Zechariah in the temple. And you have to understand, you know, Zechariah was a priest and there were there are many hundreds, if not thousands, of priests. And the opportunity to actually go into the Holy of Holies and offer incense was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, and in fact, they cast lots to see if they would have the opportunity, and many priests never did. Zechariah um, got that opportunity. And so he's in the in the temple, and Gabriel appears to him and says, your prayers have been answered. 
And people have speculated what he's talking about. Is he talking about the prayer that him and Elizabeth had to have a child, even though they, they couldn't because they were infertile? Or was this the prayer of the longing for the Messiah? And I think both of those are kind of wrapped up together, that the ache and pain of not being able to bear children was wrapped up in the longing for Jesus to come, for, for the Messiah to come and make all things new, which is really the way that we pray today when we're in the midst of our pain and our agony. And I think of people at Christmas who are suffering deep pains and longings that at the heart of our cries out to God is a desire for God to come and restore the world as it should be. And so then his prayers have been answered, but he's his heart is so encrusted with unbelief and cynicism as many people were, that he he, he can't believe. And so God uh, makes him silent during the nine months of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And I think the lesson we can draw from there is that sometimes God has to silence us. He has to make us quiet in order for us to hear him and see him work. Uh, this is a good lesson for Christmas, that uh, we need to we need to sit in silence. We need to meditate. We need to maybe turn off all the inputs and all the devices and all the things that sort of uh, rush for space in our mind. So we can sit and hear and believe God again. So, Dan, um, I want to talk about one more character, and then I want to uh, transition to a conversation about a piece that you have at factsandtrends.net on, uh, on the six things that churches often miss in terms of dealing with new believers, uh, and that's in a conversation about Kanye West. But I want to talk about Herod, because I love your treatment of Herod in this book, um, The Characters of Christmas. And and so I just, just touch on who Herod is and why we sometimes miss what uh, what Herod's character in the story is really supposed to be, like, illuminating for us. Yeah, this is, you know, Herod is not uh, the person we want to think about at Christmas, right? <clears throat> in our Christmas pageants, and in our nativity sets, we don't have him there. Uh, but Herod, I would say, is the original Grinch of Christmas. If you think about every Christmas story that are our favorite stories from, you know, It's a Wonderful Life to uh, The Grinch that Stole Christmas to The Christmas Carol, there's always a an antagonist. There's always a bad guy. Even our Hallmark movies have a bad guy, right, that's threatening to shut down the Christmas store or whatever. Um, but Herod, Herod is that person, and he is threatened by the presence of Jesus. The wise men choose to worship. The shepherds choose to worship. Herod is threatened. He's threatened because of his power. But he also is part of a long cosmic battle that began in Genesis, where God promised that because of the fall, that the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent would always be clashing. And Herod is just one more evil person nipping at the heels of the seed of the woman. But we see that Jesus prevails, that he survives, and he would later crush the head of the serpent by going to the cross and rising again and defeating sin and death in the grave. And so even today, as we look around and we see the Herods in the world, the people who are ruthless, who uh, uh, hurt vulnerable people, sometimes it's easy to be cynical and say, these are, these are the people we should fear. These are the people that have power. It's always going to be like this. We need to remember that Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. And then every Herod, every Antichrist, every person that rises up will one day fall and have their due. All right. So we're going to pivot and we're going to take like two minutes to talk about something that could have taken us a half an hour to talk about. But you've got this really excellent piece posted at factsandtrends.net, and it's entitled Six Mistakes the Church Often Makes with New Believers. We obviously don't have time to thoroughly unpack it. 
tell us what's the you know what's behind this, and then give us a sense of what's on the list. So uh, you know, it's interesting. Whenever we hear of a celebrity conversion, uh, there's always a lot of cynicism, and I think some of that is important because we've been burned by celebrity Christians and 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 all those things. But I'm a little nervous that when someone like Kanye expresses faith in Christ, um, we're so cynical that we we almost um, I, I think we're, we send a message that we're not actually welcoming of, of new professions of faith. And I think part of our cynicism, too, is that we just don't think God can work in this age. I know no, none of us will say that, but we're surprised that God is working today to save people that are unlikely. Um, and but, but this is the story of Christianity, that God is always saving people from the unlikeliest of places. But we have to see where Kanye goes and, and if his faith is genuine, which it seems like it is, uh, he'll need time to grow. You know, some of the mistakes we make, I think, first of all, are just greeting it with cynicism. But when someone professes faith in Christ, they need an open hand, not a closed fist. They need mm. the church to welcome them and, and, and help nurture their faith. I think another mistake we make is to immediately make them a Christian leader. You know, Paul has said to Timothy not to raise up a new believer, a novice. And Paul understood that because when he first converted to Christianity, he spent three years in Arabia uh, and learning and growing before he was, you know, put in a position of leadership. And so we have to be careful about that. We also should always react to a new conversion with somewhat of surprise. As, as my friend Brian Loritz has said, every conversion is a miracle. Uh, my conversion your conversion, everyone's conversion is a miracle. Sometimes we, we get a sort of entitlement, those of us who've been a Christian a long time, and when someone unlikely becomes a Christian, it's almost like um, we think, well, those are not the kind of people Jesus wants to save. I'm the kind of person he wants to save. <laughs> but my, my conversion is just as miraculous, just as otherworldly, just as strange as anyone else's, right? And heaven rejoices when, when people cross a line from death to life. And so should we. So the things that make heaven rejoice should make our hearts rejoice as well. And so we, we want to have this posture toward people uh, that be, become Christians. That um, and, and, and I think the last thing is sometimes when we want to see people converted, we want to see them converted to our specific tribe. Mm. Otherwise, it's not genuine, right? But people are not saved into, into you know, hyper-niche tribes. They're saved into the worldwide body of Christ, which is Amen. diverse, which is made up of multiple tribes and ethnic groups. We have to be careful about that. Like if they're not my kind of Christian, my denomination, my tribe, then that's not legit. I think we have to resist that. Dan Darling, thank you so much. Uh, you guys can check out what Dan is doing, Dan, DanielDarling.com. You can check him out also at the ERLC, which is ERLC.com. Uh, the book is The Characters of Christmas. The piece that we are talking about right now about Kanye West is posted at factsandtrends.net. Daniel, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carmen, for having me. Uh, and and uh, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. We'll be right back. All right. We, uh, we have very limited time to say goodbye today, but uh, bless you. Be light and salt and lovely fragrance of Christ out there today. Have a great Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. 
If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.